This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of morning doc good to see you uh Back in studio again after your sojourn down to, to Cape Town. I believe you were, you were singing for your supper. You had a, a major presentation and a little bit of leisure time as well. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Nice to be back here. Yeah, I was, I was doing a, a sort of speaking engagement, if you like, and quite an interesting bowl, you know, of, of people, including Muzi Maimani, who spoke uh, quite interestingly about his colorful time under the Jacob Zuma regime in Parliament. So it was very funny, but for another day. And then, you know, a host of other very, very good speakers on the board. So yeah, it was nice, uh, nice well, there if, and nice uh, to be back here. If Mr. Maimani is, is listening to this, <laughs> we'd love to have you in studio because you've shared one or two of those anecdotes, parliamentary anecdotes with me. And uh, my eyes were like saucers, but... Uh, <laughs> Back to the real world, and uh, we've got today our in-studio guest, Karina Krira, and I'm, I'm going to probably have to have that surname uh, corrected, who is Managing Director of Edelman South Africa, and we're going to be talking specifically about Edelman Trust Barometer Report 2022. So, Karina, welcome, and thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. Great. Before, I was just looking at your background, and, and you've, you've walked an interesting journey before we even get to the Edelman part um, in the PR communication space, so Magna Carta Ogilvy. Just take us through uh, the journey, because I think we have a lot of uh, younger listeners as well who are interested in how people end up where they end up and where they start. Sure, absolutely. So I, I guess my public relations journey actually started in the UK. Um, I moved over there for a couple of years just to get an international experience um, and came back here and then as you noted um, joined a couple of the leading agencies Maropa, Magna Carta, Ogilvy PR 
Um, and then I did uh, an in-house stint um, with ABSA, the Corporate and Investment Bank. Um, I spent four and a half years there um, and then actually joined Edelman, who were my agency while I was at ABSA. Um, and I was so impressed by them. I just felt if I'm going to go back into agency, this is the agency I want to be part of. So joined them to head up their advisory practice. Um, and then at the beginning of last year was uh, moved into the role of managing director. Okay, fantastic. And uh, just, I mean, you, you talking ABSA in there uh, as a side issue, Doc, it would be interesting to discuss the appointment of mm. CEOs yeah. in the finance mm. sector and how do you how do you make an appointment that pleases everybody these days? Is that possible? Mm, tough there. Yeah, I think we've all seen it. I mean, obviously, you know, this isn't part of today's discussion, yeah. but qu- but maybe it, it can be part of trust and perception and and uh, and, and all of those things, you know. Uh, but certainly we've seen the news articles, yeah, an interesting appointment. I'm not obviously in the financial sector. Certainly seen uh, a lot of people speaking out against it for historical reasons. And, and I guess, yeah, you know, we can leave it at that, yeah. but not easy. Gordon, not easy. I, I suppose, no. you know, any of those top, it's, it's back to Dorota at Eskom a few years back, you know, you looked at that. Uh, and I think Cyril Ramaphosa made that very famous quote, and I think it's Chinese, you know, whether the cat is black or white, as long as it can catch mice. Uh, is the important part there. And yeah, so easy for us to sit in the studio and say that, but certainly uh, an interesting an interesting appointment. Well, we'll, we'll pick that up maybe under under the business silo uh, a little bit later, talking about Edelman. Um, just coming back to Edelman, I, I have difficulty in my mind. You, uh, Karina, you talk about it as an agency. I, I didn't know where to position it. Was it a PR agency? Was it a comms agency? Was it a research company? So just take us through a little bit of the Edelman journey. I've only become aware of it and I think since the kind of lockdown last two or three years, so your reports have been more readily available perhaps, and that's why I'm becoming aware of it. But what kind of animal, um, black cat or white cat, is Edelman? <laughs> well, we're a good combination of all kinds of cats, really, which is which is amazing. Um, so a little bit of everything that you describe, but I mean, really at our core, we're a communications consultancy, a global communications consultancy. Um, and as we position ourselves, it's really about evolving, promoting and protecting organizations, brands, Brands and reputation. Um, that's really at the crux and the heart of what we do. We started off as very much a, um, a consumer consultancy way back when, about nearly 70 years ago now with Dan Edelman. Um, and uh, we've really evolved the offering to be so much more than that. And one of those areas is deep insights and analysis. We we believe that without data, it's really, it's really hard to give our clients really good counsel. Um, and through that, we actually um, introduced a new division of Edelman, which is our data and intelligence division. Um, and that's really where primarily our trust research is, is handled from. Yeah, so, data and intelligence, that's yeah. your game. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, firstly, Karina, sorry, I didn't even welcome you. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and I think it's an interesting point you make about data and insights because I guess it's the evolution of the sort of corporate reputation management type companies. In, in days gone by, the information was what I wanted you to write about me. You know, the old PR company, we'd, we'd have weekly or bi-weekly meetings and, and we'd give our version of the facts and, you know, and that was it. So it's interesting that you now, not now, but but you and other companies are looking at that balanced view and advising companies that maybe the story, the spin, you know, that they want to tell isn't isn't necessarily the, the right one, a balanced one, and secondly, won't resonate well with the audience. You know, I guess, and today we're going to get straight into it, Gordon. I think let's let's talk, Karina, on the on the trust barometer of this year and that whole thing. You know, when you put something out, 
how does it land? You know, and is it going to land the way you want it to? Uh, and, and is it truthful? And, and so on. And, and we spoke about, you know, that sometimes you say, well, what is truth? You know, surely there's a universal truth. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, in the eye of the, of the beholder, I suppose. And also your lens of what you want to look at it. Yeah. So, I think, Karina, just straight into it. I mean, uh, the top 10 items, I mean, the, the, and, and again, you know, you and I spoke off air. Sadly, we're not going to be able to get through all 10 in detail in half an hour. But, I mean, I've just noted a few. And, Gordon, you may have noted you, a, yeah, a few I mean, different ones. But, I mean, just interesting. And the most, number one, and maybe the most concerning one, is it says that people's default setting, the majority, is one of distrust. In other words, they don't go in with an open, trusting relationship, which is probably almost the opposite to, I guess, what I was taught as a kid. You know, you're almost taught to give somebody 10 and then take points away, you know, on, on their behavior or your interaction. Now you almost give somebody zero and say, well, you've got to prove yourself, build it up. I mean, Karina, is that more or less the, the right take of, of, of your study in, in, in that first point? Unfortunately, it is. Um, and I think really what, what happens ultimately, and when we study trust, we look at the levels of trust across the four main institutions in society. So business, government, NGOs, and the media. Um, and when we find that all four levels of trust across those institutions are not balanced, then there's, then there's an imbalance in society. Um, and what happens in society is there starts to develop this distrust, mistrust, if you like, as well, um, around what you are experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis in your society, in your in place of employment, um, in your personal relationships. And I think what also affects that is macro circumstances. So if we think about things like the COVID pandemic, if we think about what's happening in Ukraine at the moment, um, all of those things, and you'll see, we've been studying trust for 22 years, you see those trends across the 22 years um, have really mimicked exactly what's been happening in society. Um, and that's part of what we try and do from an Edelman perspective is really help our clients understand and anticipate change. Because if they can't do that, then they're going to struggle to grow and they're going to struggle to be sustainable. Um, so, so really what happens then is that people start to feel these anxieties, feel their fears. They start to feel this imbalance. Um, and that's when they start to think, hang on a second, maybe there's information I'm receiving that's not accurate. Um, maybe, as we were talking about earlier in, so in the social media space, there's something else going on here mm. um, with my information, with my data, and I'm actually not sure who I can trust. And I think when you have certainly things like a global pandemic, you've got high levels of anxiety just generally. And that then plays into fears, and that's when people start to to really think twice about who they should be really trusting, whether it be, as I say, in a professional environment or even a personal one. Mm. Yeah, and I think what's you, you mentioned the trends, which was fascinating because I, I, as I say, I've started looping back in the reports now, and it's it's in looking at those trends that you you get the real rhythm of it all. Um, you know, so as far back as two thousand and three report, earned media became more credible than advertising. I mean, and I thought, wow, okay, that's the time we were working on the POE model, um, and by two thousand and five, trust had shifted from authorities to peers. And it was about the time we were beginning to get into the whole rhythm of influencer marketing. So you're quite right. You know, if you look at the trends of the reports, they mirror exactly what's been going on in the industry. And if anything, I think to your credit, they're probably a good year ahead of what the industry was kind of working out. So I think, you, I think you've been a good sort of catalytic kind of mirror that, that's flagged what's going on. And we've then worked into that space to see how you apply it. But what's, what's terrifying for me is not just the absence of trust, but um, it, it, it's, it's even more active than that. It, it's putting me into a, into a position where 
it's not just distrust. I, I, I'm just really disengaging in some respects from from reality and just building my own little lager and staying inside. And we can see that, I think, perhaps with the uh, uh, the anti-vax movement where people are just retreating into the lager. But, yeah, 59% of people say my default position uh, is detrust, uh, distrust until I see evidence to the contrary. So, okay, that's really quite depressing. But... 64% of the respondents, and it's a big respondents base, 36,000 respondents from 28 countries, um, say that you know we lack, society today lacks the ability to have a civil and constructive debate. And, I, and I'm analyzing my own engagement with talk radio. I can't listen to talk radio. I'm not picking on any one talk radio station in particular, but, you know, the more obvious one in Joburg is 702. I can't listen. It's not that the guys at 702 are doing a bad job. I just can't listen to angry people hurling abuse at each other. So, yeah, it, it's gone beyond trust. It's now we, we just uh, we're disengaging. I mean, is that, mm. uh, is that a fair comment? That's totally fair. And, and we're seeing it around the world, actually. And, and I, I suppose the most worrying part of that is how the inability to have constructive debates and conversations threatens democracy because that's what it's really built on. Um, and if we don't start to do something about that very soon, um, it, it could really put um, uh, really put uh, economies and societies at a, at a huge risk um, for going forward. So that's definitely a worrying stat for, for this last year and something we would want to keep an eye on each year as we think about what the trend could show us. And I think just interestingly, Karina, the scary status, and, I, and again, I'm just referring to these points, and, and we'd urge, as we always do, our listeners to go on to your site to to look at it, to to Google the, the results, and not just listen to, hopefully, a, a, a good half an hour's debate. Um, you're talking about democracies, and these are sophisticated, what I would call first world countries that have had a massive decline, Gordon, you know, in, in, in trust numbers. And I know you've you've looked at that on the year-on-year stuff. I'm just looking at this year. And, and you're right. You know, Karina, it's, it's those, those two things are so interlinked, trust and communications, you know what I mean? So you say to yourself, if you, if you can't trust, you almost have that cancel culture mindset. I'm just going to ignore you, delete you, unfriend you or whatever yeah. the correct term is, I guess, on, on social media. Scary though, hey? I mean, that you're looking at, at these countries, I guess, that would be leading the world <coughs> are now suddenly lagging in, in many respects. Absolutely. And, and as you say, the results, some of those results quite shocking. If you think about um, some of the key findings from this research as well, also looked at um, particularly the two institutions of government and media, where, where people generally, the respondents felt that they were being misled by those two institutions and that actually everything that they were seeing and hearing was all based on clicks and votes. Mm. Um, and when you think that every time you you may be consuming some media that that's that's what they're trying to get from you is, the, is sort of the clickbait and, st yeah. and rather than something yeah. authentic and from a government perspective um, is it all politically based uh, yeah. and I think this is the sense that that people are starting to feel and if you think about the US for example and the Donald Trump regime mm. and how that played into this really divisive nature of the media it's very clear in the US for example you've got very two polar yeah. opposite very politically based media outlets there yeah. um, and I think that's been a trend that's come from the last few years that now we're seeing playing out where people are like we actually don't know 
who to follow because it's very clear that there's two very different agendas here and it's got nothing to do with us as the public. So then what do we actually believe? Um, and the same and the same with um, clicks as well. So mm. I think that's the space we've started to see. And interesting to see that China um, statistics for China go up, though, in terms of, of levels of trust. Yeah. And I think what that largely points to is, and I think why there's been such a big rise, is that last year we saw quite a big drop mm. for them. And typically, as, 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 a, as a country, China has actually always had very high levels of trust. I think it's also the nature of how mm. they, they run their, their government. Yeah. Um, but last year, and I think it was largely in response to the COVID pandemic, um, that their levels of trust dropped. That's why I think we saw quite a big rise um, in response. Now it's kind of it's 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 normalised itself mm. again. So I think that's that's what pointed to the big um, shift in China. But developing economies and actually, if we if we look at well, developed economies, should I say, they are the least encouraged that they're going to be better off in in five years' time. It's actually the developing economies who are saying we mm. feel like we well, there's a good chance we are going to be better off in five years' time. They're more hopeful yeah. um, about what the future holds. So so really interesting to see that play in terms of those developed economies, as you say, the superpowers and yeah. how they're feeling um, about about realities. That's that's the part about the study, and, and I really would urge the listeners out there to, and we, we will reference the website towards the back end of the podcast, to, to download the report. We cannot possibly do justice to it, but the aha moments for me are staggering. That point you just raised now. So in terms of developed countries, um, you know, uh, economic expectation. The question is essentially, do you feel you're going to be better off in five years' time? So South Africa, we, we, we're in the, massively in the distrust space as a generic. But on this one, uh, about 60-odd percent of people believe they're going to be better off in five years' time. So I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But talking about the developed countries, um, you know, that, that's what blew me up. up 15% of people in Japan think they're going to be better off. 18% of people in France. Kenya is the place to move to. 91% of people in Kenya believe they're going to be better off in five years' time. That was a revelation to me. I sit here sometimes, and I think, and this is my probably, uh, you know, my kind of privileged white perception of the crumbling failed state, but I, I, I'm more positive about it than the people in Japan and France. That, that, that's just extraordinary. Mm, absolutely. And and these are actually trends we've seen for a while. They're huge deltas. Even if you look at the levels of distrust for things like social media, if you think where social media came from <laughs> and the mm. levels of trust from the U.S. perspective, I think in some cases a single digit levels of trust. Mm. Um, it's mostly, I think, the, the five main countries that have such low levels of trust in, in the media and particularly in channels like social media are actually um, uh, countries like Germany, France, the U.S., um, mm. and w which is which is interesting given that they were yeah. kind of ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, just, yeah. just quickly to, to give a, to amplify that, that gap between China and the, and the mm. U.S., uh, uh, trust and you know, overall trust in the four pillars, so NGOs, government, media, and uh, business, uh, has declined in the U.S. by five points to 43%. Uh, China mm. has increased by 11 points to 83%. There's a 40% trust gap. And I would have put a lot of money on that. I would never, never have got guessed those figures in a million years. It's quite extraordinary. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, no, not at all, Gordon. I think, you know, I mean, we're making so many interesting points. And I guess, you know, if you look at, at, at people saying they're going to be better off in five years based on what, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not 
being pessimistic. Yeah. I'm just saying hope isn't actually a strategy. You know, so I you need it. to look at that. And I, and I mean, this week again, I don't know if you, well, either of you saw that, that article from Magnus Haystack where he came out against Adrian Gore saying that Adrian Gore was almost overly optimistic about South Africa and Magnus Haystack. Now, of course, you know, I mean, Karina, you'll know it far better than, than I certainly will, the power of the word. And once it's out there and, 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 and your rhetoric and your propaganda. Now, I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying they're two very different perspectives here. On, um, on on stuff and 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 you know whether and again you know <laughs> talking about that you know I also find myself reading an article and then reading it from a from a different level of saying you know do I trust it are the numbers right how who did the research how do, when was it done how does it and and so on and so on but I mean at face value so the point is it's interesting that Kenya is such a high level in South Africa as well you know people saying in five years something people I'd I just like to know based on what the, and show me what it is that you're basing it on because I mean the unemployment numbers are sky how we know all these things we're not going to get into the negatives and I think just Karina the sad part about you know you're talking about um, the narrative and, and different regimes and all the rest of it and again as we all do uh, you know the Ukraine pops up on all our news feeds and again this morning Gordon I was going through the news and you see these horrific scenes photographs um, and of course in any war there are two sides and it's propaganda and the Russians are saying it's all staged you know it's all propaganda the bodies the mass graves all the rest of it so a and, and I don't like to discuss it because it's such a sad moment in time in, in our life. But but it's real. You know, one can't. And I think your point, um, I made the point of cancer culture. It's almost like the ostrich in the cocoon. You know, you stick your head in the sand long enough and hopefully it'll go away. But, you know, we know that's not the case. Well, so just, Gordon, sorry, Karina, one last point on, from, from this particular thing. Interestingly, you're talking about drop of trust. But but. People have increased their trust in, in their own employers, in, in businesses. That's now, that is, I know that's an interesting point, Gordon, because you were talking with me off air about that. Let's just talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of, of why that happened and, and, and how do you see it playing out? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Well, so we haven't tested um, too much qualitative data around why that necessarily happened. But I think what we can point to is uh, the pandemic. So I think what we saw the the employers do very well in the pandemic was to a large degree prioritize employees. Um, and it was certainly the counsel that we were giving to our clients. But, but we were actually thrilled to see this quite well spread. And I'm talking for South Africa specifically. Um, and we've noted that employees are potentially your most important stakeholder group. Mm. Um, if you think about all the different uh, stakeholders that you may have in, in, in your universe as, as, a, as an organization or as a brand. And I think taking care of employees and having to, there were a lot of organizations that was incumbent upon them to actually share information about what was going on in the pandemic. And if you think about levels of trust being quite low in government, um, and, and that's potentially where you're hearing all of your information from. If your levels of trust are tested there, you're going to go somewhere else for your information. Mm. And I think people went to their employers. Yeah. Um, and if I think about the clients again that we counseled, we helped a lot with communications around that. What was the internal messages, feeding information that was actually probably in many cases beyond the mandate of an organization. Mm. It was quite health-based. It was science-based. Mm. It was, And we were making sure we were using reliable sources. But I think that's what happened with the employer was the employer actually stepped up mm. and became seen as quite reliable, quite authoritative around making sure they were giving the right information 
to employees that 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 actually blossomed um, a really interesting new dynamic between employers and employees. One that I think is going to benefit companies in the future if they continue to mm-hmm. to prioritize their their employees over shareholders. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I think that's an interesting point you make. That it's sad that one had to have an, a pandemic to get to that point when. You know, the, glibly say our employees are the most important and it's in the foyer of every company and we love it. We, we, we've seen these things. You know, we always have a little heart and we love our customers and we love our employees. And, and, and now we test it. And, so, and, and, I, and I hope you're right that it does continue. Uh, and, and interestingly, again, looking at some of these points on the, t- on the 10 points, societal issues, you know, the old triple bottom line uh, and, and how people are saying to companies, listen, we need you to do more. And so hopefully there's not only the will to do the right thing, but also the external pressure, you know, to, to do things beyond just their core business. I mean, mm. and hopefully it does, uh, hopefully it does continue. Absolutely. I think we've seen over the last couple of years the rise of employee activism. Mm. This is something companies really have to watch out for because employees feel so passionately about this, they're going to take a stand. Mm. And in some cases, you spoke about the cancel culture, in some cases they're going to leave yeah. because an organization's values doesn't align with their own. Yeah. So these are things to, to really watch out for. Um, and I think that's why, again, as I say, when you see levels of trust so low in what would be a natural leader, your government of your country, mm-hmm. when the levels are low, you're going to turn you're going to turn elsewhere for, yeah. for guidance. And that's why I think a lot of people are saying, well, my employer, the private sector, the business, yeah. um, and the, we've seen the high levels of trust in business, they need to step up and do something yeah. because we, we're not feeling that anybody else has got a handle on this. Even NGOs, yeah. um, as much as their hearts are in the right place, they don't have all the resources yeah. to be able to, to solve the world's problems. Yeah. So that's yeah. the challenge that we're in. Yeah, and I think, you know, we think about that uh, – the pressure is going to be on because a lot of the other uh, discussions we've had during the course of the year uh, are putting pressure on on, on brands anyway and, and advertisers not just to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. So I guess there's, a, there's an elevated expectation. I'm now giving you my trust. And, you know, once you've broken my trust, it's going to get ugly. But it's interesting that, you know, if you, if you look at uh, the five points, you, you talked about the top five points, uh, of expectation that uh, would close this societal gap. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, quality of information or information quality it was right on top. It's the top expectation. If you want to close the gap, good information is going to do it. So the, so the pressure is on, I guess, the companies to communicate really, really carefully and consistently. Mm, absolutely. And, and that's what it's all about. And I think even if we think about I mean, the goal would be to grow levels of trust in government and media um, as institutions. So we would want to look at how we could all play our part in helping government do that as well. So I think it's also incumbent upon governments to think about how they communicate better. Mm. But we've seen how important quality of information can even be in closing an economic divide um, in society. So so that's going to be crucial to, to communication going forward. Yeah, just and on the issue of communication, um, one of the interesting metrics you've created here is called... Uh, uh, a trust inequality. It's a trust inequality gap. And the biggest gap between the have and have-nots um, is closed when there is quality communication. The more informed you are, the the, the closer the bridge between you know the, the have and the have-nots. But, Doc, this, this blew my mind as well. I mean, this is, again, one of these... Uh, narratives we've bought into that we have the worst quote Gini coefficient in the world so mm. you know we presume we have the biggest gap between yep. have and have nots 
But the six biggest, the big six countries in terms of uh, the trust inequality gap, you think we're in the top six? Do you like me to run through them? Yeah. One or two of them, I think you might guess. So Thailand, I might have guessed that. Saudi Arabia, I think I might have guessed that. I certainly would never have guessed the next four. United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, and Netherlands. That's the top six in terms of the trust mm. inequality between the haves and the have-nots. Since I read this report a week or two ago when it came out, I'm watching Sky News. I'm watching ABC in Australia with a new kind of lens and realizing that the have and have not uh, divide is not uniquely South African. No, um, which is comforting uh, in, in many ways. Um, but also, I think if you, if you think about how politics have played out in those countries over the last few years, and also think about things like Brexit mm. um, and response, pandemic response from some of these big developed countries, um, I think that's where they lost a lot of ground. There was a trust bubble that we saw when we tested trust a few times during the pandemic mm. um, through special reports outside of our annual trust barometer. And we saw that, that the levels of trust in government went up a little bit in these countries because the expectation was, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Governments need to help us and save mm. us. Mm. And they didn't necessarily rise to to the challenge. And that's when we saw a massive trust bubble and burst. Um, so, so I think it's 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 becoming clearer that we you know we're not we're always thinking the grass is greener on the other yeah. side, mm. not necessarily in terms of yeah. how people are experiencing their own societies. Well, that's been mm. the lesson to me, and I think yeah. you know speaking of of uh, the UK and and the whole Brexit thing, maybe we should bring some wine in the studio, Doc, and convince the listeners out there where it's a work uh, it's a working you know, function, not not just a party. <laughs> yeah, but but you know what's also interesting, Karina, is I guess. Time sometimes is not your friend. In other words, the longer something goes on, the greater the chance of making either good or bad decisions. Now, I just look at, I look at, uh, and I'm not an expert on New Zealand politics, but I certainly look at how the ratings have changed uh, in in that country where Jacinda Ardern was was the darling at one stage of the world, along with Angela Merkel, and people touted the female leadership and, and strong women and clear vision and all of those things. Uh, Angela Merkel subsequently has, has retired very um, honorably, if, if you like, but certainly Jacinda Ardern's t- taken a bit of a knock. You know? And it's just interesting. Well, what I'm saying, Gordon, is sometimes t- you, you need to ride and, and make the right decisions ongoing. And if I look at businesses as well, I look at you know when, when I teams working with me and they'd ask a question of me they'd expect an answer if i didn't give them an answer you can almost see they either think you don't know so you're incompetent or you're lying to me you know what i mean and now you've got to decide which of those two and there's certain bits of information that were time sensitive that you couldn't release at that time for a host of different reasons and so and and i've often said that you know sometimes it's the, it's the high and, and i think green you made the point earlier about but fear change People are often scared, and, and why a lot of people don't change is they don't know. How do you know the change is going to be better? For who? And is it for me? How do you know it's better for me? And that's the dialogue, you know. So I think it's, a, it's such an interesting thing, this whole thing of trust and communication and so many bits to it. You know, and also, Gordon, you know, not to be tried at home. You know, sometimes you need skilled practitioners to do these things correctly and that's where you know it'll be interesting for me to have seen Karina maybe you can answer this in your experience working with clients how closely now the traditional HR 
function and the external facing traditional PR function work through the pandemic in organizations? Because, you know, from what I'm hearing, a lot of the communication was internally. Did that happen? Did you see that? Did they work a lot closer together, those two areas? You're 100% right. And we actually saw that across a number of functions um, at the sort of C-suite level. So, um, And, and this, is, this is the ideal for communications consultants when we have a seat at the table in, in discussions around talent and employees and employee engagement. Also risk. Mm. If you think about the reputational risk that went along with all of the, um, the you know, what was happening with the pandemic. So, so having those important conversations at, at the very highest level, Levels of the organisation were critically important mm. to be able to inform how things played out. So, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, and again, you know, just to, to stress that point we made earlier, hopefully there's good behaviour now of collaboration at the C suite because so often, you know, I mean, I've seen it so often. It's about it's about my seat, my space, my place. You don't verbalize it because, you know, you, there's a consequence. And it's only when you're three years old do you actually say what you really mean. You know, you learn after a while it's better just to keep quiet and to do things without. Uh, and so hopefully that good behavior uh, – uh, continues to permeate organizations and society at large. And certainly if, you know, companies don't operate in isolation. I mean, we saw the shoulder, uh, the whole yep. issue of uh, on, the, on, the, on the coast a few months back. So that's Sonic again an booms, example yeah. of, of activists, people saying, no, 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 not but so fast. Just a quick, bringing it back in a, in, a, in a closing comment just to media for a moment. I mean, Doc, you talked about, you know, it's important not to tell lies. I mean, I work in advertising, so <laughs> you get paid. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I my first job was at McCann's, and it was embedded on me in day one because it was written on the wall of my office: "The truth well told." So, <laughs> coming to the truth well told, it's in, interesting from a media perspective that employers' media. I think you addressed that earlier is most believable, sitting at about sixty-five percent. Traditional media um, sits at about 49%, which, you know, I, I wouldn't expect it. I mean, advertising is a, you know, is a 50-50 game at, at the best of times. Media reports sit at 57%, uh, as long as there's an identifiable source. So there's lots of clues in the report, I think, on self-improving and rectifying your, your bad habits. So I'm, I'm not too fussed at us sitting at 49%. Social media trust is at 38%. What I would be worried about, reading this report as if I was a journalist because one of the more intriguing insights is we're more convinced we're being lied to by societal leaders government uh, you know sits at 66% business at 63% in terms of we're convinced we're being lied to it number one slot goes to journalists and reports at 67% so how have journalists managed to get themselves into this space or is this the commercialization of media where you know we can't have a story unless you're going to make money out of the story unfortunately i think a lot of that is coming into play here and i mean that's when we talked about earlier looking at this idea of just driving everything through clicks it's all about the clicks it's all about how, how many people actually get onto our site um pay for the services from there um and i i think unfortunately where our media sits right now and i, and I think i'm hoping i mean i'm in the communications field so and we deal with very good journalists every single day i mean that's how we that's how we communicate is is through the media so um it's i think it's a it is unfortunately a generalization across the respondents that we surveyed um but at the same time i think as you said earlier important to keep a note on these points when they come up because it's the trend across that that we need to be very careful of yeah um and i i do think the media have a have a job to do to maybe get some ground back and how they think about how do they really keep earning 
um, trust from from the yeah. public, from yeah. the readers. Well, it's just so disappointing that we have to bring this uh, podcast to an end because we, we're a little tight on time. I mean, I could talk about this for the entire day. It's fascinating. We don't, we've had some great reports in the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, Cantor's report on, on West Africa. We had the Nielsen Sports report. But if we had an award for interesting sp- report of the year, it's, it's going to go to this one. So to all the readers out there, please get hold of the report. Um, and Karina, how can they get hold of it? Where is it downloadable from the website? It's on our website. So that's at www.edelman.co.za. Um, or I, and I'm not sure if you put this on your on your site afterwards, but um, they're welcome to reach out to me as well if they if they need any more information. I think the the report um, offers uh, uh, offers data points um, that are very very interesting and critical for people to see and understand. But it's really when we apply that to communications programming to help clients to build their trust or build back their trust in some cases. Um, that's really where the magic happens around around implementing this. So so if anybody wants to chat about how they do that, um, also with pleasure to contact us through the website as well. Through it's the website, the your email address on the website, yes, all there for, and that's Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. Correct. Um, and yeah, Doc, I'm going to leave it to you to, uh, I'm going to trust you with closing the podcast today, Doc. good, and that's, uh, that is, uh, that's <laughs> impressive stuff. And you've got to earn, you know, it takes long to earn, easy to break. Um, yeah, Karina, thanks. <clears throat> thanks very much for your time. Again, I urge people, as we always do, to be part of the conversation, to, to look at the report, to get into Edelman's site, to understand, and hopefully... Um, you know, what you're saying, the flavor, the winds of change are now blowing through organizations and hopefully they're yet to stay that, you know, uh, not only do those trust levels rise, but also Gordon, the others, you know, specifically I look at, well, I'm concerned about media, but, but government as well, you know, you're looking at people who are running the show, uh, you, you want to trust them. So yeah, Green, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to, to reading not just this report, but also, you know, the other work that's coming from, from you and your organization. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Great. And for our listeners, uh, please tune in, share uh, the podcast if you find it interesting. And uh, until next week, we'll catch you then. Ciao for now. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views Uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.